You're listening to a sermon from Mission City Fellowship of San Antonio, Texas. Mission City Fellowship exists to make and mature disciples of Jesus Christ who live all of life for the glory of God and proclaim Christ for the joy of all people. Today's scripture reading will come from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May God truly bless the preaching of his word. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sister. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for who you are. Lord, this is a psalm of glad sheep, a psalm of a wonderful shepherd. So Lord, this morning, would you just redirect our eyes and redirect our hearts upon our wonderful shepherd, upon you, Lord? Would you bypass all the, all the hardness? Would you bypass all the hurts and all the pain? Would you bypass all of the uncertainties? All of it, Lord, in the midst of all that, Lord, and just lift the eyes of your sheep to look upon you once again and to be comforted in you, to fall even more in in thralled with you, to be amazed at you, to be in all of you, to love you. Lord, would you do this, that we would be restful, peace-filled, comforted, happy sheep. We love you. Thank you for being such a wonderful shepherd. May you be exalted in this time. Oh, be exalted. In Jesus' name we pray and the church says, amen, amen. Amen. Thank you, Naisha. We are uh, closing out the year this Christmas season in Psalm 23 in a series we've called The Great Shepherd, born in Bethlehem, reigning in heaven, still with us. Uh, For the Christian, the Christmas season is a time where we purpose to point our hearts towards remembering and celebrating the coming of Christ Jesus, our Savior and our shepherd. In fact, Scripture calls uh, Jesus, our, our, the Savior, he, they, the Scripture calls him in Hebrews chapter 13, the great shepherd of the sheep. In Christ's coming on that night in Bethlehem, uh, we read this earlier to start off our, our uh, worship service. Uh, on that night in Bethlehem, when the glory of God burst forth, into the darkness of this world, and the angels of heaven appeared to the lowly shepherds. I love that. The shepherds watching their sheep at night, still awake, still aware, watching over their precious little sheep, right? The angels burst forth. The glory of God burst forth, declaring wonderfully great news of great joy. And it's so interesting that that first moment, the Lord could have gone to anybody. He, he could have gathered every king of the nation in the middle of the night and said, come and worship. He came to the lowly shepherd, the faithful little shepherd, 
quietly doing his job and called him to worship that night. And why? Why would that be the case? Because the great shepherd had arrived. The great shepherd arrived that night. That's why we're in Psalm 23 for this Christmas season. You may have thought that. Why in Psalm 23 for Christmas, the Christmas season, for Advent season? That's why. Because we have a great shepherd who arrived that night. So we're in Psalm 23. And as followers of Christ, we rehearsed this last week, as followers of Christ, if we're following Him, if we've trusted in Him, that means we're His little sheep. And it means for us that we have a really, really great shepherd, doesn't it? We have a wonderful shepherd. Sheep are weak. Sheep are needy. Sheep are fearful. Sheep are stubbornly prone to wander. Maybe that describes some of us. Maybe we're more aware of our, maybe not our fearfulness, but maybe our stubbornness at times. Sheep are stubbornly prone to wander. They are also so, so helpless. A sheep's life, as we rehearsed this the last couple of weeks, a sheep's life depends solely on the shepherd leading them. So one of the greatest comforts then, one of the greatest comforts for weak little sheep is to look to their shepherd and to know that they have a very capable shepherd, a great shepherd, the greatest shepherd, if we could say it that, maybe we should have titled it, maybe you're thinking, you mistitled the sermon series, not the great shepherd, the greatest shepherd. We have the greatest shepherd. We don't need to be looking over the fence saying, oh man, if I just had that guy caring for me. No, we have got the greatest shepherd. And so one of the comforts is to remember that, is to know that, that we have a great shepherd leading us, with us, guarding us, keeping us. I mentioned to you uh, last Sunday how though I am a, a pastoral shepherd, I've never been a literal shepherd. And so I've, I've purposed to find books and resources from people who have either spent time as shepherds or have spent time with shepherds, even specifically in the Middle East. And I've, I've come across a few very helpful resources. On, on, on one occasion, I heard one story of a man who was watching these shepherds lead their sheep. And, and he saw in one instance, in just an hour's time of watching, he saw what he would define as a bad shepherd leading and a good shepherd leading. Or a bad shepherd's leadership and a good shepherd's leadership. So the, so the bad shepherd, he's, he's watching and he sees this shepherd with his sheep, and they're walking, and they're coming up to this place in the trail where the trail splits. It does like a Y. The pathway splits. And he's noticing the shepherd. The shepherd isn't at the front leading. The shepherd begins to fall to the back of the sheep, and the shepherd's looking around. He's sort of throwing sticks and kicking things. And it was, you can guess it was, probably, it was a young shepherd. Uh, he's kicking things and throwing rocks and sticks and he's sort of getting, becoming distracted and he's, he's moving further and further back into the flock. And the next thing you know is they get to that split in the path and what do you think happened? Sheep had no idea where to go. And so part of the flock goes this way, which was the good way, the right way. And part of the flock goes the other way. And the sad thing was the other way 
was a much harder way. It was a way that eventually would lead to drop-offs and steep cliffs. And, and so the shepherd realizes what he's done, and so he has to begin sort of gathering the sheep. And he's, you can tell there's a panic. I've got to get all the sheep. I've got to stop them. I've got to catch up now to lead the sheep. And so that passes through. And then a little bit later, he sees another shepherd coming. But this time it was very different. He sees the shepherd leading from the front. The shepherd is looking ahead. The shepherd, he can hear the shepherd. The shepherd's calling out to the sheep. Constantly singing, calling to the sheep. His voice is out. He's leading the sheep. The sheep are following. And he gets to the split in the path. And what do you think happens? The sheep keep following that shepherd. And he leads them on this path that was the right path. The path of life. The, the bad shepherd, in a sense, if you want to say his bad leadership, could lead the sheep to death. But a good shepherd? A good shepherd is always leading his sheep on the path of life. Precious saints, it is our desire as under-shepherds, as under-shepherds of the great shepherd, to just keep simply pointing you over and over again to Christ, your good shepherd, who will always lead you on the path of life. And we want you to just keep looking at him. He is a wonderfully good shepherd who is leading you on right paths. And he is aware of you. He is aware of what's ahead of where he's leading. He's not leaving you. He won't forget you. He's always calling to his sheep, leading by his voice, isn't he? And so we just want over and over again, just look to your shepherd, know your shepherd, follow your shepherd. I think that is sort of the heart of today's particular verses. There is a great comfort in following a good shepherd. There is great comfort in following a good shepherd. I think it's what we're going to see in today's verses. We're in verses 3b, so the second part of verse 3, and verse 4. And here's what those verses are. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The first thing we see about our good shepherd in these verses is that he is the good shepherd who constantly leads us. Last week we heard that the word used for lead in the verse he leads me beside still waters was, was this word that describes, it was the word for lead that describes a gentle leadership. Him coming alongside, picking you up, drawing you near to his chest, to his bosom, and carrying you on. It was a gentle type of leadership. Here, in this verse, this word for lead is, is different. It's more of a just direct leading. It is a guiding he is guiding you. He's guiding his sheep. He's turning his sheep the right direction. He's turning their eyes towards the right way. That is this word for lead. And so in the same passage, how sweet is that? He's leading gently. He's leading tenderly. He's picking you up patiently and walking alongside you, not forgetting you, caring for you. And then at the same time, he's redirecting you. 
He picks you up and redirects you. He's guiding you. So he leads gently and he's guiding you. What a sweet, sweet just emphasis by the Lord for his word. It's this leadership that is working, constantly working, to put you on the right paths. That is that leadership. He's not leading in a way that's passive, where he sort of just falls back. He says, oh, just wherever, wherever you want to go, little sheep. We'll just go there. I'll just follow you. That's not him. He's not a passive leader. He's not a distracted shepherd, like that, little, like that young shepherd who's sort of just kicking the rocks and throwing sticks and looking off to the side all the while. There's a cliff coming. He's very aware of where he's leading. He's very purposeful in his leadership. So he's not driving the sheep, sort of like a whip behind them. He's, he's leading in a way that's guiding the sheep. Shepherds in this, in this particular area would lead from the front, walking the path before the sheep, calling to the sheep, using their voice. And, and when you hear these, I just love it because we're going to get to John 10 in the new year, right? And don't you already start, make those connections already. Oh, when Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and they know my voice and they follow. This is it right here. This is what he's referring to. A good shepherd leading is constantly calling to his sheep so they know his voice and so that they follow his voice. So he's out ahead of them. He knows what's there. He's constantly working to know where they are going. He's planning. He's purposing. He's intentional in his leadership. Constantly guiding and directing. The sheep are never just left to wander around and try to find the right way. Precious saints, are you tempted at times to think, I'm just wandering around. I've just been left to do, I don't know where I'm going, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm just wandering. Well, here is the reality. That's not true. That's not a true thought. Because if you belong to this shepherd, he leads. And he never stops leading. Isn't that comforting? That is so comforting. You are never left just to be aimless. You may feel aimless, you may wonder, why is the sheep leading us down this path again? Or the shepherd leading us down this path again? Well, he must have a good reason. Because this is a good shepherd. I think I've seen that bush three times. Surely we're going in circles here. Well, the shepherd must have a good reason. Because he's a good shepherd. And he never stops leading us. Philip Keller, who is a minister and a shepherd says this, a commonly held but serious misconception about sheep is that they can just get along anywhere. The truth is quite the reverse. No other class of livestock requires more careful handling, more detailed direction than do sheep. No doubt David, as a shepherd himself, had learned this firsthand from tough experience. He knew beyond dispute that if the flock was to flourish, the sheep had to be constantly under his meticulous control and guidance. Saints, the good shepherd leads with constant, meticulous 
guidance. You could say constant careful care. That's how your shepherd is leading you. Constant careful care. When you woke up this morning, whatever troubles rushed upon you, because isn't that most of us? I, I tend to do that. That is to, I tend, I wake up and immediately, I'm not thinking, oh, today's a good day. And just, I'm ready to get up and get going. I'm thinking, oh man, what's ahead of me? What's, oh man, what's, what about this person? I can need to check on this person. I didn't talk to this person. I need to do this. Oh my goodness. And, I, and you can immediately be met with anxiousness, Right? This is what's true. As you woke up this morning, little sheep, you are being led by a shepherd who is constantly, carefully caring for you. In Philip Keller's words, constant, meticulous guidance. Never stops leading, despite how you feel. So there there is not one moment where he is distracted or caught off guard. He is fully aware of his sheep, fully engaged in caring and leading his sheep. John Stott, a uh, pastor and New Testament scholar who he's no longer alive, uh, told a story about being in Israel on a tour bus going through the wilderness of Judea. The, The tour guide was on the microphone making the point that the shepherds in Israel never drive the sheep. They always lead them. And, and just as the guide was saying that, a tourist raises their hands in the back and points out the window and says, well, what about that guy? And everyone looks out, looks out the window and they see a man behind the flock with a stick driving the sheep to a corral. And not wanting to be called a liar, the, the tour guy, he stops the bus, he gets out, and there, everyone's watching. He goes up to this guy, and he's sort of moving and talking, and, and then he comes back, and he says, he picks up the microphone, and he says, I'm still right. That man isn't the shepherd. He says he's the butcher. <laughs> There's a difference of leadership, isn't there? One is driving from behind, one is prodding the sheep. Get, go, 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 go where I want you to go. Get in that pen. Could care less about the life and good of that sheep. The other loves those sheep and is leading them, doesn't want them to be startled, wants them to fix their eyes on him, and he's leading and guiding them carefully. I love that. I, sometimes I think... This is just a total side note. I, I think I treat my shepherd like he's the butcher. How? Why have you led me here? Why have you led me this way? And it's so wrong to think of him that way. It's not who he is, is it? He's a good shepherd, leading, constantly, carefully, caring. Precious saints, if good shepherds on this earth know how they must lead their sheep with constant, meticulous guidance, walking the path with their sheep, ahead of their sheep, calling to their sheep, how much more do you think your, our great shepherd knows how he must lead you? I think about that, that that sweet, truth of of those shepherds watching their flock at night. And it is one of the sweetest things when I'm praying for our girls at nighttime as they're going to bed knowing there could be fearful moments to just rehearse 
there's a shepherd who never grows weary or faint or tired watching over you, watching over us tonight. Those are simple but yet wonderful, comforting truths, aren't they? I'm so glad. I'm so glad. If Christ is your shepherd, though you may feel aimless and uncertain at times, you can rest assured that your good shepherd is leading you with constant, meticulous guidance. And where is the good shepherd leading? Where is the good shepherd leading? Second, we see he is the good shepherd who always leads us on right paths. Where is the good shepherd leading? In paths of righteousness. Literally, meaning he, he leads his sheep on the right paths. He's leading them on the right paths. He knows what path is the best path for his flock, the path that is good for them and is going to get them where he wants them to be. Kenneth Bailey, uh, one of those scholars I quoted last week, one of the scholars who spent time and so many years observing shepherds, he says this, the open wilderness in the Holy Land often exhibits a maze of faint trails worn by countless flocks of sheep. If you've ever seen it, you can, you can look this up on the internet. There are just paths all over the place. As you're going and looking and you see just these worn, skinny, small paths, these sheep paths, just constantly everywhere. So he says there are these maze of faint trails worn by countless flocks of sheep. The shepherd alone knows which of them leads out of that valley to the next stage in the day's journey, rather than abruptly ending in some dead end or at a cliff edge. The paths in the hill country of the Middle East are just a maze all over the place, winding paths. Sheep can't just be left to pick their own path. The shepherd doesn't go behind them and just says, Pick a path. He knows better than that. Sheep can't just be left to pick their own path. The shepherd has to know which path is the right path and what path is best for his sheep. And that is the path of the shepherd's choosing. And here, here's the other part of that. As the shepherd leads, the sheep are supposed to follow. Isn't that part, the other part of the equation? If the shepherd's going that way, then what's the best decision for that little sheep? To follow the shepherd's path, right? To follow the shepherd's pathway. But sheep don't always follow like they should, do they? Sheep don't always follow like they should. Sheep can be stubborn and silly and prone to wonder. I saw this video of a uh, shepherd leading his sheep. And so it's just this video kind of far off and you can see in the distance the shepherd and he's got all of his sheep and he's sort of at the front and they're all following and they're going up the side of this hill and, and the sheep are following and he's leading. And, and then all of a sudden towards the end, you see one of the little sheep turn around and start going the other direction. He gets off the path and he just starts beelining it off-road through the bushes, leading away. And then he stops and he turns around and he looks at the shepherd and the sheep. And you're thinking, oh, good, that little silly sheep, don't keep going that way. You turn around and you get back there with your shepherd. He turns and he looks and what does he do? He looks and he turns back around and keeps running. And so interesting, he keeps running and he gets to 
a wide road. And that little sheep who left the shepherd's path begins to run down that wide road. And eventually off into the brush. Does that not sound familiar? And you're sitting there and you're watching this and you're saying, No! What are you doing, little sheep? You even stopped and looked back. You know the way you're supposed to be. You know that's the best way. Don't go. We used to live in a, in a rural area, and it was not uncommon. You'd walk outside and you could just smell the stench of death. Once you smell it, you don't, you don't forget that smell. It's a strong smell. And you just know. You just know what, what probably happened. What probably happened? One of these sweet little livestock, one of these little critters got out of their pen, left the flock, got alone, and there's wild beasts waiting to ravage it. It brings to life scriptures like Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Or Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And yet Jesus, the good shepherd in John 14, verse 6, what does he say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. These little sheep, they they think, if I just go down this other path, that's going to lead to a better life. There's a life there. That's a pathway of life waiting for me. And Jesus says, no, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the good shepherd who leads us on the right path. A truth filled path, a God-exalting and honoring path, a path where we find true life. Ian Hamilton says this, good shepherds only lead their sheep in good ways. For example, you can be sure that God never guides His people into disobedience. He will never lead you to follow other gods, to worship idols, to dishonor your parents, to murder, to commit adultery, to steal to lie or cheat, to covet what is not yours, never. He always leads His sheep in the paths of righteousness. The Lord will not lead you astray. He is is the good shepherd leading you on the pathway of true, vibrant, nourishing life. Sometimes I think think we we can be so concerned with with my path in this life, where I need to go, what I need to do, where I need to be, especially younger generations. We can be so concerned about that particular path. Where am I going? What am I, I going to be for my job? How long am I going to be doing this? Where, where am I going to need to live? And, and there are times where decisions like that need to be made. And they're important decisions. So I'm not making little of that. But sometimes we can be so consumed with that particular path that we neglect the clearest path already set before us. The the path clearly stated in Scripture to love and to follow and to obey your shepherd. 
to follow Jesus, to set your eyes fully upon Him, to walk in His ways, to know Him and to love Him and to treasure Him and to delight in Him and to obey Him. And we can become so concerned with all these other paths, all the while I neglect that path. Doesn't that remind you of maybe Matthew 6? The Lord knows what you need before you even ask it. He knows. Don't be anxious about anything. He knows all of it. But yet, what does he say? Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the path that's clearly set before you. Follow Christ. Love Christ. Obey Christ. And he will keep guiding along those other things. Right? He is the path. I am the way, the truth, and the life. We must follow Him, love Him, obey our shepherd. And we can trust then that as we walk through, try to walk wisely with decision making and to honor God and to receive wise counsel and decisions, that surely He will not stop guiding me. I think one of the sweet gifts of these verses that can sort of sure up your trust of your shepherd is how how can I just trust with 100% certainty that he will not lead me wrong? How can I just trust that? How can I know that? Well, one, because he's good. We've already seen that and we're going to keep seeing that. He's good. And at the end of verse 3, it says that he's leading his sheep on these righteous paths, these paths of righteousness. For his namesake. One commentator says In the ancient world, a shepherd's reputation depended on his ability to lead the sheep in the right direction. If he lost the sheep or lost the way home, he would gain a bad reputation and be a worthless shepherd. Precious saints, the, Lord, the Lord's response to that. Over and over again, as he leads his people out of Egypt, he, like a shepherd, he's leading them. He takes this role as shepherd. And what, is it, what does the scripture say? Over and over again, he's leading them out. He's leading them. He's caring for them. He's tending to them for his namesake, for his glory. He ties his reputation to how he leads his sheep. How can you know 100%, with 100% certainty, He is going to lead me in the right paths, in the right ways, because He stakes His reputation on it. It is for His namesake. And He says in Isaiah, He will give His glory to none other. He will not allow for there to be a better shepherd. He will not allow something else to shepherd you better than He could shepherd you. He cares about being known as the best shepherd, as the greatest shepherd, the most glorious shepherd, the kindest shepherd, the most faithful shepherd, the wisest shepherd. He stakes His very glory and name upon shepherding you so you can know with 100% certainty He will not lead me wrong. Even if it's not a place where you want to be led to, he will not lead me wrong. We can trust him. I think think that's what makes grumbling so wicked. 
It's what's so crushing about being a grumbler. Because what does it do? It's declaring. It's a sheep declaring in that moment, Shepherd, you have not been good to me. That's what grumbling is. Shepherd, you have not given me what I need. You have not treated me right. You have not led me well. That's what grumbling is. That's what's so heartbreaking about it over and over again when you see the shepherd leading his sheep, right? In, in, in the Exodus, God the shepherd leading his sheep. And what do they do over and over and over again? As he provides and cares and leads them in the most supernatural ways. Pillars of fire and smoke and parting red seas and making food fall from the sky and water and all, you just name it over and over and over again. How can you feed us out here? How could you bring us out here? We want to go back. Grumbling sheep. That's what makes it so heartbreaking. It's declaring that he is not a good shepherd. It's declaring you have not cared for me as a good shepherd. You have not led me well as a good shepherd. And it's just not true. I'm glad he's a very gracious shepherd with us, isn't he? In those moments when we grumble and complain, he's very patient with us. And so we can 100% trust his leadership. He stakes his glory, his name upon it even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Third, we see he is the good shepherd who is with us through the dark valleys. First part of verse 4. The literal translation could be, even though I walk through the valley of deep darkness. This valley of the shadow of death, this literal translation, the valley of deep darkness. This, this good shepherd who is always leading his sheep in paths of righteousness. It doesn't mean he's always leading his sheep down easy paths. The paths of righteousness. Hear this. Hear this in this moment. Because this is where the prosperity gospel completely, completely does it wrong. The paths of righteousness may lead through valleys of deep darkness. Prosperity gospel wants to declare some false narrative of a shepherd who will never lead us through valleys. Who The path of righteousness is just, it's always good. We're always in the green pasture. No, this shepherd says, even though you walk through the valley of deep darkness. So the paths of righteousness, they're meant to be connected here. The, the path of righteousness the shepherd who leads us in green pastures and beside still waters, that path may also lead through valleys of deep darkness. And it doesn't mean that he has stopped leading. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden he stopped being the shepherd and has started being the butcher towards you. It doesn't mean he stopped being a good shepherd. Remember, this is the shepherd who leads with constant meticulous guidance even through the valleys of deep darkness. 
shepherds have to keep moving their sheep from one field to, to another as they're constantly having to find the best places for food and for water. And when food is done in one field, they, they move to another field. And at times, that takes them long places. And that takes them having to travel to do some really intense and serious traveling to get to those good pastures. And maybe even having to go through these deep, dark Valleys winding through mountains with jagged rocks and, and narrow space. I read that one valley in, on the Jerusalem-Jericho Trail, which is, which is that, that trail is the trail. That is the trail that is often talked about as one of the most dangerous trails for people to go on. Bandits and robbers and all sorts of things and harm and difficulty can happen in, on that trail. And on that trail, there is a valley about five miles long and only about 12 feet wide with these towering mountain walls on both sides, making it not just a dark place, but even a dangerous place for robbers coming along, travelers hiding in the, in the walls, hiding in the caves, all that, and, and for travelers coming through, ready to pounce on them. It was a dangerous, dangerous place. But there are moments and times where the path must lead through a valley. But Psalm 23 speaks of the greatest of all shepherds leading through that valley. This life is filled with dark valleys, sometimes deep, dark valleys, sometimes long-lasting valleys, the five-mile-long type of valley. And even there can be a, a fear as we look down in this life at these normal daily valleys, and, and as we look down in, ahead of us, there can be a fear as we see the darkest valley waiting for us the valley of death. But it's in this moment, in this psalm, it's in that moment, in this valley moment, that are the, that's really the sweetest moment of the, of the entire psalm. In the dark valley moment where, where the sheep moves. Do you notice? Look at your Bible. Look at verses 1 through 4, or, or leading up to 4, and look how the shepherd, or look how the sheep has talked about the shepherd. He leads me. He restores me. He makes me lie down. He is doing all of this towards me. He's doing this, and it's great. That's, that's wonderful. But it's in this moment, in the dark valley moment, where he no longer is talking about the shepherd, it's as if he turns and he looks at his shepherd, and he says, you, you. Notice the language change there. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. It's this sweet moment. I'm such a visual guy. I'm reading that. It's almost as if you're picturing the little sheep, and they're walking, and they're saying, whoa, whoa, we're going through the valley. The shepherd's leading us to the valley. And they're going through, and they're trembling, and you're seeing the high walls and the darkness coming over, and you're knowing, oh, there's robbers everywhere. There could be rocks falling us there, all sorts of things. There's so many fear-inducing things, but it's as if that little sheep is stops, stops talking about the shepherd. Hey, he is so good, isn't he? He's this and he's that. And then he says, oh, let me just look at my shepherd. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That's the turning point of this very psalm. And if you remember the way psalms are written, the beginning, the middle, and the end, these are pivotal points in this psalm. 
The Lord is my shepherd. That's, you, you anchor everything, every part of your life on that truth. You have no ordinary shepherd. He's amazing. He's great. He's good. He's powerful. And then you get to the middle of the psalm. You are with me. You are with me. That great shepherd, you are with me. It's the central, most important part of this song. And I wonder how often we forget that simple truth. The Lord is your shepherd, and do you know what else? He is with you. That's when I am most fearful. That's when I am most afraid. I shared that last week. That is when I am most at, not, not at rest, when I am most anxious, when I have forgotten. The Lord is my shepherd. He's not some measly, peasly little guy. He's not weak like me. He doesn't rattle in the legs like I do. He's strong and he's courageous. And he's with me. Caring for me and he's good. Such a simple truth, but I wonder how often we forget that truth. You are with me in the valley. Notice the, the peace, the peace, the comfort. This is a, a verses of comfort. The comfort for that sheep is not that he's not walking through a valley. Sure, would I rather be laying down in a nice green field and drinking some water? Absolutely. I'll take that any day. But the peace is not saying, you don't lead me through the valley. You lead me around the valley. And so I am at peace. Now the peace is that as they walk through the valley, you, great shepherd, are with me. That is so sweet. There's a... I read a story about a one of these old farmers who was teaching his grandson to shepherd the sheep. And he taught him, they, they couldn't read, and so he just taught him, the Lord is my shepherd. So he taught him, the Lord is my shepherd. Just one hand, you just remember those truths. And his little grandson is out there shepherding the sheep. And one night this rushing snowstorm comes in. And the, the, the grandpa runs out and he realizes my grandson's not going to be able to find his way, his way back and it's dangerous if he's out there. And so he goes out looking for him. He's, he can't find him and he realizes if I, I have to turn back or I'm going to die. And he goes back and the next day everything's covered in snow. He goes out looking for his grandson and he finds him. Finds him covered in snow, dead. But here was the sweetest thing about that story. Man, it just grabbed my heart. He found his fingers like this. The Lord is my. It's the simplest truth, isn't it? But it is the most comforting truth in the midst of the most troublesome moments. The Lord is my shepherd. You are with me. That's the peace of the sheep. Not getting through the valley quickly, not avoiding the valley, 
but that you are with me in the valley. The Lord has intended from generation to generation to generation of his people that that be the very truth that your comfort hinges on, that your peace clings to. You were not made to find peace in a, a, a retirement, in a 401k, and, and having all this money in the bank, and paying off all your bills, and all these things. He, though he may care for you in those things, he knows what you need. He knows what you need, and I'm grateful for that. But you were meant to find your greatest peace in the simple truth that if you are his, he is with you. The Lord gave that assurance to Jacob in Genesis 28. He says, I will be with you. That was his assurance to Moses in Exodus 3. I am with you. That was his assurance to Joshua in Joshua 1. I will be with you. And that was his promise in Isaiah 7 for all of his people, all future generations. He says, there will be a day, Emmanuel. There will be one called Emmanuel, God with us. And precious saints, you know where I'm going. That promise finds its fulfillment in who? Our precious good shepherd, doesn't it? In Jesus himself, Jesus is the yes and amen to that promise. Emmanuel, God with us. And that is meant to be the enduring peace that you have. He is with me and he will not leave me or forsake me. He is good to me. That's what Hebrews 13.5 declares, I will never leave nor forsake you. And so then what can we say? The Lord is my helper, I will not fear. Saints, do you know your shepherd walked through the darkest valley of death alone to ensure your greatest good and that you could always be with him and that he could always be with you? Literally, the Kidron Valley that surrounds the east side of Jerusalem was this valley gap in between, or in between Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives. And the Garden of Gethsemane is there. And so the night even that our Savior, on His way to the cross, do you know where He passed through? The Kidron Valley. And do you know what the Kidron Valley is literally known as? The Valley of the Shadow of Death. There are these tombs built into the walls of the mountains of that valley. Tombs. It was a place, when you look at church history throughout Scripture, where there were these idols built up and, and worship to Baal, and they would, where did they go and burn those? In the Kidron Valley. Where did De David have to flee when Absalom, his son, is chasing him to kill him? He fled through the Kidron Valley. Where did your Savior walk through on His way to the cross to be the shepherd of your soul? The Kidron Valley. Our Savior and shepherd literally walked through the valley of the shadow of death to shepherd your soul so that He could say, I will never leave you or forsake you. He, he himself knew the dark valley of the Kidron as he was betrayed and taken as a prisoner that night. He knew the dark valley of the cross as he took upon himself the wrath of God that we deserved. He knew the dark valley of death when he died a sinner. Now just the shadow of death, death itself. 
He knew the dark valley of death when he died, a sinner's death in our place. But on the other side of those deep, dark valleys, here's what I love, was the greatest and most glorious good, resurrection life and life eternal for his sheep. He proved in that moment that through the valley, that he doesn't leave us in the valley, he doesn't stop in the valley. He proved that we're going through the valley and on the other side of those valleys, there is life. There is good. He proved through his own life that good awaits on the other side of the deep, dark valleys. Precious saints, proving it in his own life so that he could walk with us then through the valleys, knowing that there's good that awaits us, leading us to life eternal on the other side, whether it's the valleys that we go through, the dark valleys of today, or if it's the darkest valley of death, life eternal on the other side. Amen? Oh, praise God. Last, last. He is the good shepherd who guards and gathers us. He says, your rod and your staff They comfort me. As your shepherd guides and goes with us, he guards and gathers us. He doesn't stop guarding and gathering. Kenneth Bailey says, sheep have a special problem. They have no defenses. Cats have teeth, claws, and speed. Dogs have their teeth and their speed. Horses can kick, bite, and run. Bears can claw, bite, and crush. Deer can run. But the sheep have no bite or claws and cannot outrun any serious predator. They can butt other sheep, but that ability will not protect them from a wolf or a bear. The sheep's only security is the shepherd. The shepherd's rod and staff are pictures of his commitment to take care of his sheep. That's what they are. They are visible picture to those precious sheep that he's got me. He is going to take care of me to guard them and to keep them and to gather them. In one hand, the shepherd has his his rod. In this context, it was a two foot long club with sometimes even heavy iron pieces put into the end of it. It's his weapon to protect his sheep from wild animals. That Anything that would try to kill his sheep or try to hinder them or hurt them Thieves that would try to steal them away. The shepherd is committed with rod in his hand. It is a declaration to those sheep, a promise to those sheep that he is invested. He is going to do whatever it takes. He's not merely walking with them. He's not merely going to lay down with them when, when things are nice next to the steel water in the grassy field. He is committed to courageously guarding them. That is the rod in the shepherd's hand, standing in front of them and fighting for them. That is our shepherd, committed to you, guarding you. He is no weakling or pushover. He is strong and courageous. And so his sheep look to him, and what does the psalm declare? We can find comfort in him. He's a mighty shepherd, a strong shepherd. No matter the snarling, no matter how intimidating, no matter the threats of the enemy of our souls, we can find comfort in knowing our great shepherd is with us and will defend us and will defeat his enemy. Charles Spurgeon, this this won't be on the screen, he says this, I will fear no evil, not even the evil one himself. I will not dread that last enemy. I will look upon him as a conquered foe. 
an enemy to be destroyed. That's what I love. I heard, I heard somewhere along the way of that club, that rod being used as a tool by the shepherd to knock the teeth of the wolf out of its mouth. And I love that picture, precious saints. And some of us need to realize that picture more. Your shepherd is no weakling. When I, as I was training in, in the police field, some of you may not even know I was a police at, at one point in my life. And when you're training, we went through this training, and I'll, I'll never forget part of this training. There was this huge instructor, and he had us stand up, and we had no idea what he was doing. He had to stand up in front of everybody. And he walked up, and as fast as he could, he punched at our face. Sounds pretty crazy, doesn't it? And what do the majority of us do? Yeah, we, we flinch backwards. And he made the point, you, you're supposed to be the, the sheepdogs. You're supposed to be the ones caring for people. You're supposed to be the ones courageously pursuing people. You're supposed to be those. And here you are, flinching backward, covering your face. And he began to talk to us about, what does it look like to flinch forward? What does it look like to, in the face of fear, in the face of difficulty, in the face of trouble, maybe even sudden death, to flinch forward. That seems such a silly example. But when I think how often I am scared and flinch back and I tremble and I'm shaking, and, and I was never always a flinching forward police officer. But when I think of our great shepherd who fears nothing, when things come terrifying me, shaking me, rattling me, and I think of him, always flinching forward, never startled or taken back, never caught by surprise, always leaning in, always guarding. Oh, I admire our shepherd all the more. Oh, my. David Gibson, in his book on Psalm 23, he has this one line. If there's anything you remember, <laughs> maybe remember this one line. Let the rod in Jesus' hand put strength in your failing heart. Let the rod in Jesus' hand put strength in your failing heart. If our shepherd's rod is a picture of power and action as he guards his sheep, in his other hand, the shepherd holds his staff. And it's a picture of his presence and his tender care to constantly gather his sheep. The, 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 the shepherd uses his long staff to help him both go wherever he needs to go to shepherd those sheep, right? He's using it on this rugged terrain. He's using it to help him get wherever he needs to go, to go four by four if he needs to. He, he can get where he needs to go to take, to, to pursue, to chase after these sheep. And he uses that staff also as an extension of himself. He uses that staff. It's almost as if his reach, his, his, his presence goes out through that staff. And it's interesting because whenever you consider Moses, whom God gave to lead his people out, pick up your staff. And it was through that staff that God's presence was made known. So it is as a good shepherd. As he leads his people, he can... 
He's leading his sheep, and he, when he notices sheep are kind of maybe starting to get ahead of him or go around or, or get too far out, he extends that staff, and he sort of just brings the sheep back in. Or if he's walking and he notices the sheep begins to sort of get out of place, he can just sort of g- gently tap that little sheep and get them back into place. He can pick up the sheep. I read one of a shepherd. He picks up these little baby lambs and can put them with their mom. He, he's a, it's an extension of his care, an, stick, an extension of his affection, of his gathering. I read this from Philip Keller about this extension of the shepherd, this tender care of the shepherd. And this is our, our closing. He says this, Again and again, I have seen a shepherd use his staff to guide his sheep gently into a new path or through some gate or along dangerous, difficult routes. He does not use it actually to beat, to beat the beast. Rather, the stick is laid gently against the animal's side and the pressure applied guides the sheep in the way the owner wants it to go. Thus, the sheep is reassured of its proper path. But listen to this. Listen to this and know your shepherd. Sometimes I have been fascinated to see how a shepherd will actually hold his staff against the side of some sheep that is a special pet or favorite. Simply so, they are in touch. They will walk along this way, almost as though it were hand in hand, The sheep obviously enjoys the special attention from the shepherd and takes joy in the close, personal, intimate contact between them. To be treated in the special way by the shepherd is to know comfort in a deep dimension. It is a delightful and moving picture. That is how your shepherd leads you. Near to you, close to you, He won't use that staff to beat the beast, to beat you. He guides you. He's leading you. He may get you in place, but he's affectionate and he's close. This morning, if if you are maybe going through valleys or afraid of future valleys, whatever it might be, and maybe there is a sense of I just need to be aware of my shepherd who takes his staff and just is right there with me, leaned up against me. We want to pray for you after service. We want to spend time and just care for you and pray for you. And maybe you're the little sheep at the beginning who says, I, I'm like that little sheep who's supposed to be following the shepherd on his righteous paths and I just, I'm so silly. So often I find myself getting off that little path. We want to pray for you. We want to care for you this morning. Saints, know this and find comfort. There is a good shepherd guiding you this morning. Amen. Let's pray.